and friends are using the iPhone X and the iPhone 8. Ten. And you look at the image quality oh, from these oh, phones, oh, and oh. it is astonishing. iPhone X, X. Launch the 9 and then come and talk to me about 10, okay? So you don't use Windows 10, you keep calling it like the 9? Oh, do cheap shot. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 4 of Tech Tree. I'm joined today by our very own George Costanza. Hello Partha. Sorry, I refused to end. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? <laughs> and on this side we've got our very own Kramer, I'm gonna say. Hi Shivan. I believe I can do better than Kramer. Hello viewers, uh, listeners and whoever else is looking at this podcast's icon. Yeah. Hello. That was so Kramer. No, no, but you, yeah, you got But you have to open the door with a loud bang to start. Then you can say hello. <laughs> All right, I'll come stumbling into this room and then. Anyway. Yes, that's what you got to do. Okay, cool. So, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, you know, on our last episode, if you haven't heard it yet, we talked about three D printing, how it works. Um, how you can get into it, uh, and what are some great ways to get started. Uh, both Shivan and Bartha threw in some valuable tips for beginners. On today's show, we're going to be talking about smartphones. There was an interesting piece of news recently. BlackBerry suing Facebook for a violation of patents. What BlackBerry is contesting, essentially, uh, I think there are six or seven patents that it owns that Facebook is violating. Uh, I mean, so that's the crux of this story. So they're saying that they own mobile messaging as a concept? Yeah, so as an example, uh, they own a patent that involves the display of an icon with a number to signal the arrival of a new message. And so they're using uh, the fact that they own that patent to go after Facebook Messenger, which does the same thing as do technically the other platforms as well. A part of this conversation obviously has to do with the US patent, patent system, right? And I, there's, there's a lot of conversation that happens about it. And, but I just find that the this piece of news is was interesting to me because it's suddenly as though, every, I mean, a lot of people know the, the, the history of BlackBerry and what happened to it, particularly after 20, 2006, 2007, when the iPhone came out and then uh, in the couple of years after that, once Android entered the market and then that was that. BlackBerry has exited the hardware business uh, as of 2016, I think, so about a couple of years. Uh, and so this is kind of the first news that came out about BlackBerry now, suddenly where they're coming out and saying, you know, we own all of this stuff that ties into messaging. So any app that uses these, uh, these concepts, uh, you know, will be sued. I'm just reading the list of patterns here. These are all essential stuff that any messaging system would have. So basically, if anybody wants to get into the messaging business, they need to pay uh, BlackBerry a ton of money just so they could use these systems. I mean, wow. Well, look, at the end of the day, would playing a devil's advocate here, would we think of messaging the way we do if it wasn't for BlackBerry and their BBM? I mean, tomorrow, MSN and ICQ could say, hey, you know what, you took some of the concepts that we used on PC applications and put them on a phone. It would be like one big circle jerk. And, <laughs> oh, wait, I can't say that. Of course you can. But I, don't, I have a feeling we'd have to explain that. And that's probably not a great idea. No, no. Um, basically, for those of you who are naive and don't know, please don't Google this. But yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's, it is what you think it is. Let's just leave it at that. Oh, you just gave them incentive to go Google it, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have. A, I'm going. I think I'm going to pull out my editor scissors over here. The, my, my two cents on this entire thing is that, uh, yeah, Shiban, you make a very valid point that you know the patents could really be interpreted in every in any way that is uh, beneficial to the person filing the patent. But uh, patent laws are very, very specific in nature. So if they're saying that is only on the mobile and not on the PC, which is why they're not suing Facebook for infringing uh, the messaging patterns on a PC environment, and nobody else has really done that. These guys are really focusing on the mobile side of things because that's where the main business is. A lot of messaging is actually moving from the PC to the mobile, and this is where the big business is for most people. Yeah, but FYI, they're not suing Facebook's messaging systems. They're suing Instagram and WhatsApp because those are the subsidiaries of Facebook that are using this. Shaban, you rightly pointed out, uh, you know, these are some things that have become essential or very, very basic things you expect in any messaging platform, right? And so is it fair, and then this is the debate, right? Is it fair to then grant a patent to one company for something that could become mainstream tomorrow? And there are many examples of this. I mean, the, you know, the pinch and zoom uh, thing that, that came out with iOS in 2007, right, to zoom in and out of something. Um, and there was a lot of debate around the patent for that, because it, it's something that's just become normal and expected behavior on touchscreen. 
domains, right? And then this is these patterns also kind of fall in the same category. So, for example, there's one which is you know muting uh, a conversation, uh, and then there's a patent that has been issued for that at some point to BlackBerry. Um, and for me, this is where it, it's sort of this gray area where, in software, yes, you would want to protect uh, an innovator, but then you know a lot of times software is about figuring out an algorithm or figuring out a uh, a clever way uh, you know to do something but that something could does not necessarily have to be unique right but then the other side of it is also you know blackberry didn't seem to have a problem with whatsapp or instagram when they launched these things right and they launched them quite a few years ago uh, we know what suddenly prompted blackberry to decide okay we're going to go after facebook you know, like in 2018 yeah i think it's it could be a fishing expedition um but at the end of the day software development is a sort of iterative type process everyone's eventually going to reach similar conclusions or a different version of the same conclusion so it's kind of weird to say that all right you know we own x conclusion and then no one can copy us um if you put it out there eventually someone's going to either copy it or someone's going to develop something on those lines by being inspired by it and you have to be okay with that my personal opinion on getting patents out on something like these is that the u.s patent law needs to be very very specific common stuff like this cannot be patented because this is the essential functionality for any platform that's coming out i mean i'm just using this as an example but i'm talking about patent law across the board should consider that there are some underlying elements that are common and this cannot be patented because they are essential because the company like qualcomm lives off patents and the money it it it, it that's the main source of their revenue because of uh, network patterns that they own. So, you know, is that necessarily a good way to go? Because then you're literally killing uh, growth. You're killing innovation. I don't think a lot of these corporations care about growth and innovation and any of these nice things. They give a shit. All they care about is the money. And that's that's why some of them wait this long. A lot of companies become, I don't know, comfortable using a certain type of system and they're like, oh, sorry, guys. We sort of have, have the legal pa- patent on, on, on what you've been doing for the last five years. You owe us a whole bunch of million dollars uh, for every year that you've been using our or you've infringed upon our intellectual property. And uh, here's the bill. See ya. Bye. So I mean, what what you, what you described, of course, is is what the you know what what used to be known as a patent troll, right? Where you would have these people who would either invent something and then just sit on the patent. But but worse, what they would do is with with enough money, go out and buy patents or buy companies that that didn't succeed, hold on to them just for their patent value, and then wait, as you just described, on a company that would eventually either stumble on the same conclusion or be inspired by or whatever. And this is one of the one of the banes of the current. U.S. patent law, which which allows for this behavior to happen, because all you have to be able to prove is you thought of it first. No, BlackBerry is definitely being a patent troll in this case, and also the point that you raised about you know being able to go out and buy patents. I mean, then where's the entire honor of actually creating something or discovering something goes? You know, like if if a person has put in a certain amount of time, effort, and money into creating a solution that is going to be you know a basis for uh, innovation in the future and if some other third person comes in and buys this and makes it their pattern so that they can i think that that's just that that is something that should be completely disallowed i mean i i i find that to be well dishonorable and you correctly pointed out too right like how do you reward someone for putting in time and effort to discovering a better way to doing something and i know i'm i'm just playing both sides of this but like at the same time you know you mentioned like okay there are certain things that you should treat as essential and therefore you can't award patents but you know the problem with technology and the problem with uh, software is that a lot of times when the item discovered is the wrong word but when the thing is created at that point it is not essential right and so you see this as a new innovative way in award the patent and suddenly it just becomes so mainstream. Do you award a patent for that? Maybe because it might go mainstream. Do you award a patent to reward, you know, someone that has put in, you know, really sound engineering and process and skill and money and I don't know what else. Uh, valid point, uh, Chirag. And, and here's my opinion on that. No, they should definitely issue the patent. And sh- that patent should not be something disrupts the entire process of growth. And this is something that needs to be taken care of. Anybody who creates the patent and I think that this is something that is really, really crucial is that uh, we are just bound in a place where anybody creates something and they're all just selfish around the entire concept. Benevolence doesn't exist. And I think that is the biggest problem here. Uh, I just want to make a quick announcement from all three of us. Uh, we're looking to start a Q&A segment. 
we would like our listeners and anybody that has questions regarding uh, technology, but I'm going to leave it pretty, pretty open to any questions you guys might have. Send them to us because we will try and, and address um, a couple of questions in every episode in a special Q&A segment. Send us a question, which is why our Twitter handle, at TechTree, that's spelled T3CHRE. Um, you can also leave a comment on our, on our web episode web pages. You spelled the handle wrong. Mm-hmm. How did I do that? You missed the T in the middle. How did I know? Okay. So it's our Twitter handle, <laughs> at T3CHTREE. And in case you need an alternate voice to tell you the handle, I will read it out again. It's T3CHTREE. Thank you, Shabazz. You're welcome, buddy. Also, going forward, uh, before we uh, actually record any of the episodes, uh, we will be putting out a request on Twitter and uh, on the Coffee and IC Facebook page as well, asking for your feedback and questions. So don't forget to follow us on those pages or on the Twitter uh, handle and Feel free to interact with us outside of the episode, not just for a question that you may have. We post a lot of uh, pretty interesting stuff every now and then. And while we have you here, uh, you know, uh, do subscribe to our show. You can find us in literally any podcast player of your choice. Um, again, you can just look for the show. Look for Tech Tree, which is once again T three C H T R E E. Smartphones, one of the few items that we always check before we leave our homes. Um, we check our wallets, we check our keys, Do can I come back in the house? And the minute we leave the house, if we don't have our phones with us, we head right back in because we are lost and confused without them. I realize that the last couple of episodes we've done slightly complicated topics, topics that may not necessarily appeal to everybody in the audience. So we sat down and were like, okay, let's talk about something a bit more mainstream, a bit more general, and a bit more important at the end of the day. It still is important and relevant to to all of us. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about smartphones, how they've changed, where they're going, all of that. You know, it's really funny that you say that because actually what we're trying to see now is that you're talking about wallets and you're talking about keys. Yeah, we don't really care so much about those things anymore. I will be perfectly okay because of my smartphone if I leave my wallet at home because I've got my cards in my mobile pay thing. And so I don't really have a problem with that. But you cannot walk out of the house without a smartphone anymore. And if you have a smart house, you could use your freaking phone to get inside your house, right? All you need is your phone, man. That's all you need. So for those of you who are tuning in just now, uh, we actually did an entire episode on smart homes and using the phone as our primary devices. To catch up on that, you should check out our previous episode. So we decided to break down the segment into a few different features. And because the three of us couldn't agree which ones we should start with first, Chirag, I'm going to ask you, what do you think are the top three important things in a smartphone, the must-haves that would get you to buy a certain, pick a certain brand? Uh, you know, I would rate the OS and the ecosystem probably right up there. I would then look at uh, durability. If I'm buying a smartphone, that is how long my investment's going to last me in a way. Um, and then I think the third thing would be the camera. And I know this means I'm rating battery slightly lower than that, but that's okay. Okay. And uh, same question for you, Partha. What would you pick first? Uh, so for me, uh, in no particular order, it would have to be uh, the OS, the camera, and the build quality and the battery would probably tie up around there. Because I'm not really fussed about having a battery because I carry a power bank with me all the time. But then uh, it does affect the entire build of the device. So that does play a pretty big role. But for me, the top two would have to be uh, OS and camera. Okay, so we're we're starting to see common thread here of OS, camera, battery, build quality. Let's talk about the OS first. Chirag, what do you think? You're an Apple user, aren't you? You've been an Apple user for a very long time, from, from as long as I think I've known you. Why do you pick uh, Apple over Android or any other OS before? Obviously, I'm very heavily invested in the iOS ecosystem now. Uh, So for me, all of that stuff, the polish of it, everything that I use, easily available to me, uh, kind of got me into it to start with. Um, I did used to use a MacBook, so it kind of just sort of tapered on in that direction. Uh, But today, I mean, I'm someone that uses an iPhone and an iPad as my 
primary and only two devices. Uh, so the reason I'm here is because for me, both of them being part of the same ecosystem makes my life super easy. The other thing I, I really like about the way Apple does its updates is that, and this is one of my, I mean, I don't want to get into a smartphone one, obviously, but so, uh, but one of the things that I like is that, uh, you know, every device that comes out from this manufacturer gets the updates that's scheduled. And in fact, they've been doing a really good job with taking down the updates down to like the older and older devices as well. Um, so for me, that's sort of, these two things together uh, kind of have kept me in this in this platform for quite some time now. Coming to Partha, Partha, you, you said um, OS is one of the top two things that you look at when you're trying to buy a new smartphone or when you're trying to upgrade. Uh, why is that? Have you always been um, an Android user, an Apple user, a BB user, a BlackBerry? What, what, which one was it? Nokia? Where do you fall? I've used every platform in equal measure. Um, I have an affinity for the Symbian OS because that was the first smartphone platform that I actually started with. Um, so I, I go really far back. Uh, I've used BlackBerry. I like that as a very clean uh, system. They're very straightforward. I, I used to love the Windows ecosystem. It's probably the best ecosystem in terms of a user experience, not in terms of the availability of apps because it wasn't well supported. But in terms of an absolute usability from a device perspective, the Windows phones devices were probably my most favorite platform ever. Do you use a Windows phone device right now? No, I do not. What do you use now? I use an iPhone and uh, an Android device. I use both. And if you had to pick one, Sophie's choice? Um, if I had to pick one, I would, I would actually pick the Apple. Purely because it's a no-brainer. Uh, Android makes you want to, how do I say uh, customize it a lot more. You know, like when I when I used to have an Android device, I, I think up to my last device, which was the S7 Edge, I, w I would tinker around with it. I'd load new screens, I'd load, uh, I I'd load new skins, make it look different. And, you know, the, uh, the inherent uh, ability to kind of change things around within the Android was too much for me to resist. But if I want a device that, that's reliable or if I want something that, you know, predictable. And I know that it's going to function straight out of the box without me having to do anything. Apple's the way to go. And that's been, that's been the way I kind of recommend it for anybody who asks me, what do I buy? Okay. We have very polarizing opinions because I absolutely detest Apple. I've used Sony Ericsson phones. My first phone was a Sony Ericsson. Before that, I would steal my dad's phones, which were Nokia's, which were absolute bricks. They worked. They booted up fast. Those were great phones, weren't they? They were absolutely legendary phones. It's a shame where things are with Nokia right now, I think. Uh, and I've been using Android since its inception. Since the very first Android launched, I've been using it because of the fact that I could not, absolutely could not stand you the Apple interface. you use the G1? Yes. Wow. All right, okay. I still have my original G1. I, I, I had one of the first, second batch of G1s that was launched in New York. I, my dad was in New York uh, back in the day, and I was just going batch it absolutely crazy. And I was like, please, can you buy one for me? The guy told me, that, sir, this is going to be locked. And I said, no, no, just get it. Um, I'll figure out a way of unlocking it. And I did eventually. Long story short, Android user for life, I don't think I will change because it's come a long way. As far as customizing things is concerned, yes, Android is one of the few operating systems where Samsung's got got their own flavor and, and um, LG have their own skin on it. But the core OS is, again, it's made by Google. It's running Linux in the background, um, quite similar to Apple, actually. Um, I think all the all the great OS system, uh, OSs are running a version of Unix or Linux in the background, I think. I use Android because it's customizable. The original G1 had a keyboard. I absolutely hated full-screen keyboards. I still am not a fan of, of full-screen keyboards. I remember back in the BlackBerry days, you could type out a message blazingly fast. Again, it depends. I kind of miss those days, maybe because I'm old school. When when the first smartphone started getting launched, this, the G1 came out with a keyboard. I was like, yep, sold. It's running a version of Linux. It's got you know Google behind it. I, I use a lot of Google services. It looked really cool. It was a flip phone. So it looked like what a PlayStation looks like now, one of those PlayStation Vita thingies or the NVIDIA Shield, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, it, it was built really well. I believe if Android maintained that and if Google kept that control over the, the hardware side of things, uh, a lot of the complaints that people have about Android would not be there or it would be a lot less. And I've tried Samsung and other 
brands. The US is just don't feel the same way. It, it, it kind of feels like you're cheating where you have this great operating system and you're sticking on heavier and heavier skins on it and, and you're trying to make up for it by having better processors and more battery power and whatever to make it a seamless experience. I'm going to be an Android user, I think, for life, unless something even better comes out. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Ubuntu decided that they were going to get into the smartphone space. And we had a lot of people had high hopes. But at the end of the day, also the apps ecosystem is is what makes a smartphone company or, or smartphone OS successful or not. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm going to just tag on to what you said, Shivan, because I, on this front, I do completely agree with you. And mind you, I'm and essentially I have used Android, so don't get me wrong, but I'm essentially in a lifetime iOS user when it comes at least to the smartphone side. And and yet I will totally agree with you. If, if I were to buy an Android phone, right, I would buy the one that Google made. It's unfortunate that that's kind of not exactly what happens every year and stuff like that, but Google's doing a great job with the Pixel and now the Pixel 2. Because that, that I completely agree with you. It's, it is a good operating system. There are other issues, but but like you said, most of the complaints are, are taken away when you go to the, the Google manufactured phone versus all the other, you know, bifurcations that exist. You know, the majority of the population goes there. And so that sort of makes that whole scene a bit both cluttered, but also difficult to deal with. As a guy who actually uses both platforms, I, uh, I, I really can't pick it. I mean, I just recently got uh, an old OnePlus One and I've been using that for some time now. But before that, I was using the S7 Edge, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, the Android was smooth. The experience was flawless. Uh, the entire interface was brilliant. And I've been using that side-by-side side, uh, with the iPhone 7. And again, I had absolutely no problems using either of those devices. And I would swap in, I would switch between the two as effortlessly as I would switch between my uh, when I was using the Windows and my uh, MacBook. It's second nature for me to switch between one or the other. And I'm, I really have absolutely no problem. So it's just a matter of getting used to using that kind of a user environment. I agree with you, Partha, but I think it's not a luxury everybody has, right? So not only do we have the, sometimes, some, sometimes have the luxury of having them side by side and doing that, but we are also, I think, a little bit more flexible when it comes to these things. I think for a lot of people, and again, it's the same thing, but you know, you don't have them side by side. So what happens is you use a phone for, say, two or three years, and then that switch is just that much harder. Or, or you do Shaban's example, right, where he says he's been a lifetime uh, Android user, and for him to pick up an, an iPhone and use it would 100% be difficult. I mean, I, I have had a couple of people in the last, I think two years switched from one to the other. Um, and in, on both sides, it's been the same thing. Oh, well, how do I go about doing this? Because I have this used to be here on my previous platform and it's not there and I don't know what to do. Um, so, so it, That's primarily because of preconceived notions. And, and this is something that is really very... I, I agree. No, no, I completely agree. It is the preconceived notion problem, but I think that it's not easy for people to make that distinction in their head. I know I can do it when I use a different platform. I'm like, okay, this is not my regular platform. Okay, hold on, take a step back. But for most people, this is, a, you know, this is a lot of this is just muscle memory and, and sort of, I expect it to be here. The way I look at it is, is Apple is the seven star set course menu that you go in and you have this amazing dining experience and it's being baked for you. And, but you know that this is somebody else's, uh, a chef has made this for you. Uh, Android's like a buffet. You, you go in and you can pick whatever budget you have. It doesn't really matter. Uh, if you if you want to go cheap, you can go cheap. Go for a $10 buffet. Or if you want to go crazy expensive, you can do that too. And there's hundreds of dishes for you. If you just want to eat the sweets, you can just eat the sweets. If you just want to have kebabs, you can have kebabs. But uh, that's what the Android ecosystem is like. It's 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 choice. And and that's, the, that's also its undoing because people who are first-time Android users may pick up maybe a flavor of, of Android, both hardware and OS, that they may not necessarily take a liking uh, to. This is exactly uh, one of the things that I'm not such a huge fan of Android about, is that the user experience is not something that's standardized across the different manufacturers or across the different phones, or, or just within even the same uh, ecosystem. Like, you could have four different variations of the nougat experience on android i think it's a pro and con thing right like i think it's you know when you look at i don't know my mother or something like that right where this is too much but then you take you take a shaban and he's like oh my god this is fantastic like i can choose which flavor of nougat i want like you opened with partha despite the fact that i personally am an ios user it does not mean that when someone asks me which phone to get my answer is going to be uh, apple it does depend on the context of the person and what they want to do and and you know and and so on so i think that there's a little bit of that so I'm going to I'm going to answer the question 
like as if somebody asked me what phone do i get so i tell them and these are my exact words what do you want to achieve with your phone and if they're able to in a clearly state i want to do one two three then my state my suggestion of phone is based on what exactly they want to achieve if they want a phone that can make phone calls reliably just send messages check facebook i say just blindly go for ios because you will get that experience out of the box flawless but if they want customizability if they want to be able to add a thousand different apps to do the same thing or if they want to be able to change the skin uh, to look like something that look that looks like the cookie monster one day but probably wants to look like the incredible hulk the next day that i say go oh, android the, the question then arises is how comfortable are you with being able to do that so all of these factors play into you know how do you pick your next smartphone yeah i would add to that too like um, budget plays a part in all of this and for me ecosystem plays a part in all of this too so um as i was saying earlier my primary uh, computing device is an ipad i don't use a regular laptop anymore as much as i know that the, for example the pixel 2 is a great phone it's very unlikely i'll go there because today the interoperability between my two devices is so fantastic that i don't even have to think about it i can hit control c on my ipad and then control v on my iphone and it'll paste whatever i clicked on the ipad right in a second and so that makes a lot more sense for me i mean i'm i'm really glad we're having this conversation because you know a lot of times this conversation gets superbly polarized where it's like oh my god apple's horrible android's the greatest or apple's the greatest android's horrible and i think that it's good that we at least agree that um you know the phone that you should get does depend on your context quite a bit that's true and i may have been coming across as apple is horrible let me clarify that position it's horrible for my users that's what i was trying to say uh my wife uses an apple phone she was an ex android user hardcore uh android person and she's moved to apple and you know what at the end of the day when i see the pictures coming out of her camera i'm just blown away i'm like damn that's so did you take that with the dslr nope it was just my standard iphone 7 like uh, this is insane you know uh, my phone does not compete it does not produce that kind of image quality but then i didn't buy my phone for the camera i i bought it for other reasons Uh, how long does your battery last Chirac? Uh so my battery life is honestly it's fantastic so uh to clarify I mean I have the iPhone 10 I do not always start at 100% at the start of the day but I finish the day well into 30% if it's a really bad day maybe it goes to 25 so I'm superbly happy with my battery life on both my iOS devices today uh, the iPad and the and the iPhone that said the iPhone is a fairly new one i mean i've been using it now for i think it's 4 months give or take but for me on the on the ipad the battery life is just fantastic it's been 2 years and i still get all get all day battery life with it uh, parthas what kind of battery life here's the problem with asking you this question because you have both phones so and I, i honestly i don't know you know how you deal with having two separate os it would drive me insane but yeah how long does the battery you know here's a better question for you Which one lasts longer between the two phones that you have? So that's a loaded question, and I'll and I'll tell you why. Because uh, the the environments that I'm running, nah, both phones are which different. one lasts longer? Hang on, <laughs> then hang you on, tell me why. Hang on, no, 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 no. I have to, I have to. No, I think for it. me the question has to be the age of the phone, right? Like if exactly, there's some context. Similar ages, then just compare the battery life as it is. The one plus one is a three, basically three years old, and I've only been using it for the last uh, two and a half months now. Um. I started about ninety eight, ninety nine percent, because I unplug it from the moment it reaches a hundred. I end up with maybe fifty five to sixty percent at the end of the day. What? Because I'm not. I don't. I don't use that phone as my primary phone. Oh. That is why I had uh, when I was using the S seven Edge, which was essentially in the same place. I, that was my primary phone, and I used to end up using that phone for my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I'm a pretty heavy user. All right. and i would start with the samsung s7 edge at about 100% in the day at the start of the day and i would have to plug it in only one in the evening now on to the apple i have signed up for uh, the beta uh, versions of all the os updates that i get so not some it's not something that everybody does now because of that my battery usage fluctuates so up until the last update that i got i would start at 100% but by around 2 o'clock i'd reach 30% After the updates, I start off at a hundred percent, and I'm now ending. I end the day at about thirty percent, thirty-five percent. So it it varies. The reason I was saying that it's a loaded question is because it's very subjective on a whole lot of different aspects 
in terms of what is the software you're using, what the, what 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 level of software you're using, how much you use the phone during the day, and your charging habits. Like, do you, when you get into the phone, are you compulsively charging your phone all the time, or are you just letting it drain? All of these things play a big factor. You don't realize it, but subconsciously, when you get into the uh, when when you get into the car, you plug your phone in. You don't even realize it, but you probably do that. I, I don't do that. I I, I, pre- I I prefer not to plug my phone in ever. I, I want to, I want the damn thing to last me forever. Just plug it once and off it goes. Obviously, that's not the case now. But the, my my point was coming to battery life again. These phones don't last nearly enough as they should be. I think people have forgotten the glory days of the Nokia three one one zero, where where you charge it once every damn week and it will last you. And of course, yes, with with you know with the kind of screens we have now and the, and the high end processors with eight cores in these some of the new phones, uh, and that's going to increase to like sixteen, I think, in, by the next generation. Yes, they do suck up a lot of power because we also have multiple radios. We've got Bluetooth running in for twenty four seven. So yeah, I agree. I mean, those were those were fantastic times, right? And I think we've we're so far away from that. No, now. we're not. That's the that's the beauty of Android uh, ecosystems is that you're not that far away. Right now, you can go out and get a phone uh, like from Caterpillar or from Lenovo or from Xiaomi or any of these crazy people that put in like a five thousand mAh battery in there, and your phone will last you with a full days with with a full days heavy usage of up to three days. That's unheard of. Okay, but then why why haven't why haven't you bought that phone? Why are because you buying a I one? don't subscribe to I don't want that much of battery life I want pure android experience and these guys don't yeah, know that's what I mean I right so so the so you're right that you can find that phone today but it comes at a cost right like but despite the fact that your priority is battery life lasting all day you're still not buying the 5000 mAh phone right you are still buying a I don't know what reading your batteries but you're still buying a phone that lasts you the day right and that's because there are other compromises it lasts me at least the, the one I've bought now will last for a, a good two days actually. Right. What I'm trying to say is that like yeah. So and I, you know we'll get into this whole like thinness of phone thing and I think we've done this debate already. And I'm in agreement there that there is absolutely no race to get the thinnest phone out there, right? And I think even in the and if you see even Apple's changing their course now because the iPhone 10 is thicker than the previous phone. What has changed? So I I had the six before this. Um, which I used, I think, a little over three years, or just touching three years anyway. And yeah, I had the same thing. I did need to have to plug in my phone, I think, by the time I hit about 4.35. So my behavior has changed, though, because now I don't plug in my phone anymore. Or my, uh, you know, I don't carry a charger like I used to in the car or in the bag anymore, because now I've got the new phone, and this thing happily lasts me all day, despite the fact that I'm doing... Or normal activity, I'm not. I'm not optimizing my phone in any way outside of whatever stock. And that, of course, doesn't bother you because you're you're okay with that, right? You were okay plugging it in. I mean, it was an inconvenience to have to carry the cable around, but yeah, that was that was the only inconvenience. So I think, I mean, you know, and again, it's contextual, right? Like, so at that point, I had to keep things available. So I, I basically had something in my car that would charge my phone, right? And that was good enough because it was it wasn't a dead battery. It was just not lasting me until eight o'clock or something, right? Until I would get home. Um, so I would need to plug. I would need to give it a boost somewhere during the day, as Partha does now, for example. I, you know, I'm a stickler for the word, but so you know, technically, what is wireless charging or what gets touted as wireless charging isn't wireless charging, right? It's more contact charging as opposed to plug-in wire charging. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? Wireless charging is great if you have wireless charges everywhere in your house, but chances are you're not going to do that. You're not going to have a wireless charger in your living room, in your office. Maybe, maybe in your office you do, but. I don't. I think maybe that's one reason why it's not really caught on yet. And wireless charges can be a little expensive for those of us that want to splurge. They they can go out and get themselves, but not everybody wants to do that. And hence, cable is king. While I think that wireless charging is really really uh, convenient, uh, it's just not uh, effective enough to be a reliable source of power unless you're planning to keep it for a really really long period of time. It's not something. There are only few devices that actually support quick charge via wireless charging and even then it doesn't trump uh, actual wired charging. So while it's convenient, uh, I don't find it reliable. And I was using wireless charging for my S7 Edge at home only because I would leave it there overnight. It's not something that I would keep anywhere else. I don't use one at the moment. Uh, My phone does support it, but I don't. 
I mean, I, I like the idea of not having to plug something into the phone, I, but do I want to invest in a 250-gram-odd charger just for this one device when it does charge with every other cable I already have lying around the house? Um, I think the one good development is that all the vendors have agreed that they're all going to support the one standard. And it's also good for, you know, your your retail industry as well, right? Like, And again, this is not something we see in our region, uh, you know, but the idea of having sort of cheap chargers in coffee shops or wherever, and that's being supported by pretty much at least the two mainstream you know smartphones is a good thing but again you know we're a bit far out they're going to support that one standard only for devices that can actually afford the technology because qi charging devices are expensive especially the wireless chargers i mean if you want to have one in every room i, I can get a wire that can charge fast charge for 10 12 dirham wireless charging will be a standard it's on its way there once it's cheaper and once it's once it charges quick enough it will be but there are certain i think engineering issues that they have to get over first that we don't want i don't want to get into right now one of the things that actually um is one of the biggest guzzlers of uh, battery life are people who are shutter happy you you need a device that has a good battery but also has a good camera and uh, so out of curiosity how often do you use your camera, Chirag? All the time. Um, although I'm not, uh, I'm not a quote-unquote influencer or anything. Uh, <laughs> I do Instagram from time to time. But for me, actually, taking pictures is a lot about either personal memories or it's like other things. Like you know, oh, I want to. I need to remember what's written on this, and I take a picture of it, for example, and stuff like that. But, uh, this happened to me after I got the six. My mirrorless camera kind of started accumulating some dust. But I have not touched that camera since I got the 10. Um, so in 2016, December, I attended a wedding and I carried both. I had my 6 and then I also carried the mirrorless to do like the proper, uh, you know, taking photos of the wedding. Uh, but then in 2017, December, when I attended a wedding, um, I had already got the 10 and I just was like, you know what, this camera just feels really good. So chuck that. And I left the mirrorless at home and honestly did not miss it at all. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be one of those people that, essentially we'll never get one of those big cameras ever again. I know that there are people that will, and that's fine, but I won't be one of them. So coming back to the battery correlation bit of things, uh, do you actually carry a power bank because you use the camera that often? Uh, no, uh, no, no, I don't. Well, with the 10, uh, I actually had really, I was very happy with the battery life, still am. Uh, so even when I was attending the wedding events and stuff, yes, the difference compared to my day-to-day use is that I was charging it before I went to the event, obviously. Uh, but then while I was at the event, uh, you know, I wasn't really paying much attention. I was doing everything I felt like doing, pictures, a few videos and stuff. Uh, came home with uh, quite decent battery life, so don't yet feel the need for it. Um, I mean, I obviously can't comment on what it might be down the road, but at the moment, it's... Uh, Shaban, what about you? Uh, tell us a little bit about your camera usage. Being an avid photographer for the last eight years, I have all kinds of cameras at home. Mirrorless, full-size, lenses. Now, the issue uh, when you come from, from this mindset is when people talk about, oh, hi, the new camera is f2.0, oh, it's f1.8. You just look at it and you're like... Yeah, dude, we've been doing this for the last 10 years. Uh, welcome to the party, pal. When when you, when you see, you're used to certain, let's say when you're used to certain quality level on images and you know that camera manufacturers are trying to use software to blur out backgrounds and to uh, make your face airbrushed and all that, it just ir- irritates you. You're, I'm a bit of a purist. If I'm going to take pictures, I have a really, really tiny mirrorless camera that does an amazing job at, in all light conditions. And I'm going to use that because that's what I bought it for. I bought my phone to use as a phone and uh, and it would be uh, wrong to say for me that camera is not important on a phone it is but it's just not a priority so i'll always pick a phone that's got a great camera just in case i'm in a moment where i'm not carrying my camera and i need to take a picture the one that i'm using now it does a good enough job it's got a dual lens um, two different apertures and you know i'm pretty happy with it and also if you do this for a living um, you tend to know immediately when you look at an image and you can see what the what's wrong with it so and there are people that 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 stuff is not important. The moment is more important for us. It's that's not always the case. In fact, when I actually go and, and buy a phone, I actually will look at the sensor manufacturer. I will see who is building the image sensor on that. Unfortunately, that doesn't always mean that that uh, will give you amazing quality because there's a lot more to a good picture than just the sensor and, and the lens. It also does come to software quite a bit. It's never been a priority. Maybe someday down the line, when when camera phones get really really good. Now I have another question. Um... So since both of you have dual lens cameras, and I'm the only one here with a single lens camera, because to me, quite frankly, the the camera quality that I have is far better than what I grew grew up with. And I think that even a single lens just does such a fabulous job. But having used a dual lens, would you go back to a single lens? 
let's let's talk about a full-size camera okay there there are cameras that you get they have you know fixed lenses the aperture changes the focal length changes and you know you can focus on stuff and 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 get good good photos you don't always have to change your lens unless you want to do a wide angle or you want to do a telephoto or you want to do something that the current lens is completely incapable of because the glass profile just is not correct for that kind of job then yes you need to change your lens but most of the time you don't need to this whole dual lens craze started because people started doing selfies and somebody thought that all right if you get great shallow depth of field we can say that our phone camera looks or is comparable to dslr quality because you know you get that blurry effect that everyone's going crazy about these days um yeah so people start out adding portrait lenses but honestly i'd rather have one camera that does amazing photos and in 99 or 90 other percent of of light conditions because i don't always take selfies Chirag, why would you not go back on being using a dual lens uh, it's it's the same thing it's it's the portrait shots right quality of the camera and what i can do with depth of field now mind you um, ashaban has already pointed out although he's not a big fan of it today google is doing that in software right they're able to use a single lens camera but create depth of field so well they do it so well absolutely to put it in context again um, obviously the iphone has had the dual lens set up in the larger phones for a couple of iterations but you know despite the fact that i wanted that i didn't get it because you know the compromise of having to carry that big phone was not okay with me um, so this obviously changed with the 10 so the quality of the pictures is just so fantastic now that like uh, you know i would definitely feel like i'm losing something especially because now this is my primary camera um i do take a lot of pictures of food i do take a lot of pictures of people i mean when i was at the wedding and stuff my camera roll is full of portrait shots right when i didn't have it it was fine but now that i have it and i can obviously see the immediate um distinction in the quality of the kind of shot i'm getting out of it um yeah why why would i go back oh yeah absolutely uh, i think it's a great point made on both sides i use the iphone 7 as my primary shooter all the time um i've had zero complaints with the quality of photographs that comes out of that uh the oneplus 1 was one of the first devices i mean i've been using that for a few months now and the oneplus 1 was one of the first cameras that allowed you to shoot photos in raw format and i think that is also something that you see and now you you, you realize that i've been using both single lens devices uh one is android one is ios and they both serve completely different purposes but the output has been absolutely fantastic for both so uh, a hot tip for for those listeners that want to sort of upgrade their camera for the next one they're looking for a for a better camera instead of going out and reading all these all these reviews obviously we're all going to do that just look it's a simple thing look at the f-stop on the the specifications for the phone that you're interested in buying basically it's the f number so you'll, you'll see something like f 2.2 or f 1.8 the lower that number is the better the, the low light performance on on that camera on that smartphone should be theoretically it means that it, its aperture is is wide and it, it's able to let in more light and the other thing that and this again applies at the end of the day imaging technology is, is imaging technology so the other thing that matters is the size of the sensor um a lot of the new phones if you go to like a website like GSM Arena they will actually tell you how big the sensor is in your phone because the bigger the sensor the more light it can the more photons it captures when it when it takes a picture a bigger sensor will usually do better than a similar size sensor in in, in like an indoor shot or a night shot in a in a club or a lounge somewhere so you won't end up with those blurry looking messages you'll get you'll get something sharp without using a flash because flash sometimes can make things look a bit washed out so yeah just uh, look at those two numbers and it should give you an indication of how if you're trying to compare two or three camera sorry two three separate mo- mo- models of uh, cell phones are there any specific apps that you'd like to recommend to people uh, because you're both using two separate platforms i think it would be pretty prudent majority of my use is is the you know is the built-in camera app that comes with the iPhone so I, i've been using an app called helid so when i really feel like tinkering um you know they have all the controls done i mean and it's a, it's a really really well designed app and allows you to shoot in raw and and does a lot of other stuff as well uh, so i mean i would hands down recommend that app to any photographer that is you know that wants the flexibility of having control over all the settings um you know while using um you know the the smartphone camera app of choice uh highly recommend uh snapseed this was a company that actually made filters and made third party add-on software for uh, adobe's photo processing suite so if you're a pro photographer you'd know about photoshop and illustrator and camera raw and all of these things uh these guys made um these beautiful filters and add-ons this is before the age of instagram i think that company got acquired by google and now the end result of all of that amazing tech is 
being packaged neatly into a smartphone app called Snapseed. So I use that quite a bit. They do a pretty good job of processing even simple JPEG photos. And the other thing I would recommend is also the is Adobe Photoshop. There's a there's a version of it for, for smartphones and there's a reason why it's gold standard. Uh, I'm not a big fan of retouching and post-processing photos. I try and get, you know, natural photos. I mean, if it, it should look good from the get-go. Um, but if that's not your thing, uh, then yeah, Photoshop and Snapseed. Those are my recommendations. I don't know the, in terms of feature set, how much difference there is, but Snapseed is available on both Android and iOS. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Learn something new. And Photoshop Express actually too, yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about build quality and durability. So I know we've all touched a little bit about it as important factors in making decision, decisions about smartphones. Uh, Partha, we'll start with you now since you've been asking the questions for a very long time. You know, how do, how do you quantify this um, as a good measure of uh, picking a smartphone? First thing that I do when I need to pick a phone is see how comfortable my hand fits around the phone. If it's too big and I have to make an effort to reach across the screen, uh, that phone's a straight out no-no. But it can't be too small and I need to be able to type properly. So all of these are big factors of uh, build quality. Now that's on the build side of things. But for durability, these phones are now becoming really, really fragile. So you have to be more careful with it. And I am not such a big fan of that. My S7 Edge, Samsung S7 Edge, was rendered useless because my son dropped it on its on the edge and it cracked. I have dropped the OnePlus a number of times. Because I'm clumsy and I've had no problems. I've dropped the iPhone a number of times because I'm clumsy and I've had no problems with it. So the S7 Edge feels really good in my hand. I mean, I love the way I can reach across the screen without a problem. Its usability in one hand is great. They've got UX features in there that help you enhance that entire single-handed use. And it's beautiful, but it's just not durable enough. I was the kind of person, you know, I get a new phone. It was a new Nexus, obviously, because, again, the pure android thing and i would put it on tissue paper for the first week I'd be like oh i shouldn't get any scratches and oh I'll, I'll get it a cover and then i'd get it a cover and then i'd be like oh it's all safe now and then i'd drop it and the cover wouldn't do shit and then the phone would have a bump on it and i'd be distraught and angry and upset and then it was it was a terrible cycle to be in if you are the kind of person who's ocd because um if you know there's a scratch on your phone only you may know where it is but it's going to bother you uh, if you're again, if you're that kind of person, and I am, and after a point, I, I kind of got done with it. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. If it's going to look like shit in a few years, let it look like shit. I, I don't care. Uh, I'm not going to be so um, so hung up about tiny scratches and dents. And yeah, so I went from the Nexus line. I got a OnePlus and dropped it a couple of times, and unfortunately, it didn't look so good. And then I put a cover on it. And it still looked like shit because I felt like I was... And it was a cover that was gifted to me. So it was one of those little notebook leather covers. So then you look like you're walking around with a little notebook and you have to flip it open to see what's inside. The folio covers are disgusting. The folio covers, oh my God. Yeah, and, and I was just like, oh man, this is shit. Uh, I wish I, I, I wish I'd stopped caring about these phones. I, I, first, A, I wish they were a bit more durable. But again... They're not designed to be dropped all the time if you're clumsy, but they should be able to take enough of a knock. And that is my benchmark. Now, um, I think the next phone I, I went out and got, uh, it was the uh, the next OnePlus. And it was it was fairly durable. Uh, it had actually some nasty knocks and uh, they, they designed it pretty well. After I left that slippery slope of putting your flagship phone on a tissue paper and, and you know making sure it's flawless, I don't really care about all of that as much. If the phone can stand a couple of knocks uh, and... It can do that with a, a slim profile cover so that it doesn't look like a big bulky mess. I'm absolutely all for it. Uh, so I'll look at if it's got decent Gorilla Glass on it. And if, if someone's done drop tests, I'll see what, what they do. I'll check the alloy maybe because they, I, I'm a little crazy engineering wise like that. See what kind of aluminum it's made of. And also I've left the, the flagship brakes now. So I don't use a flagship phone anymore. I get pretty much the same performance out of the phone that I'm using now. And again, this is a slightly different discussion. Remember I said a couple of minutes ago that I was using OnePlus. And OnePlus has become a global brand now. So Oppo owns OnePlus. And a lot of people didn't know that for the longest time because Oppo's got this whole, you know, Chinese phone. Ugh, who wants to? When people, when they launched OnePlus in, in a separate, as a separate entity and, and, and without letting people know that they're related, people went crazy because it was a freaking fantastic phone. And if you want to, you know, 
check it out. Go look up the similarities between a lot of the OnePlus phones now and that are coming out and the Oppo phones. I had no idea. I found out my... I blew my mind. Then I looked at Chinese phones and I was like, damn, these guys are... I mean, they're putting pretty insane specs. Of course, the build quality uh, was not always up to the mark. And again, when you're buying a phone, it's about the experience. So yeah, the whole experience as, as a phone will still not necessarily feel premium. There's a reason why, you know, Samsung and Apple and some of the higher-end guys are at the level HTC and now Huawei are at the level they are now because that entire package feels premium. When I pick up a phone, that's what I'm judging it on, not just the build quality, but does it feel premium in my hands? Does it feel heavy? You know, is it is it a fingerprint magnet? I left flagship phones and I've started using Chinese phones and I'm currently using a Xiaomi phone and I was a convert because of uh, the fact that the first time I saw a full screen to screen glass phone in my life and I was like whoa what the hell is this and it turns out it was a Chinese phone it was Xiaomi there with the Mi Mix which now everyone's forgotten about because uh, Apple came out with the X and Samsung came out with the S7 and the 8 so yeah I I use uh, the Xiaomi A1 and if I drop it I won't cry because I can just go out and get three more of them for the price of a flagship phone. So I'm pretty sold now on these phones. It's got dual lens camera, fingerprint reader, pretty much everything I would want from it. USB-C. Uh, I think if you're looking at a new phone, to just it's 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 crazy how underrated these this cable management thing is because I used to be micro USB, always fiddling with it. Or does it go in the right way? And that's the thing of the past. You want you may want to check these brands out. Some of these brands, Huawei and Xiaomi, are doing really well. I think Huawei is currently the world's largest. Uh, they have the world's the biggest market share uh, of smartphones in the world. To the original point that we started to make, which was, you know, uh, which phone is right for you is contextual. It depends on you. It depends on the person. It depends on the budget, right? It depends on other factors that go beyond just, uh, you know, a very binary because of this, this phone is the best or, or you know, or, or because of this, this phone is the worst, whichever. We have, I, I mean, we do see this in other things too. We see it in fashion otherwise as well, um, that people throw away, uh, uh, you know, a heck of a lot of money on on something just because they're chasing brand value. And and that's what brands try to create as well, right? They try to create that kind of brand loyalty and this is a whole topic for another day. But fundamentally, you know, keep these things in mind when you're trying to look at a phone or you're trying to buy a phone. You know, don't just go, as you mentioned, primarily on one thing, but look at it as a, as a complete picture. I mean, I, I know that I had recommended um, a, a Nokia phone when they were making, you know, when they came out of those Android ones. Um, to someone purely on the grounds of the fact that they were giving it away to their kid and the kid was bound to break it and had broken tons of phones already by that point. And the fact that it was one third the price of any other phone meant that they could break three in a year and they would still spend the same amount of money, right? I know I'm, I'm trivializing the, the example, but the point again is that, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, what is good for me is not necessarily good for you and sort of factor all these things into it and try to make, you know, better decisions. And of course, as always, um, not just as part of the Ask Tech 3 uh, topic, but also just in general, uh, you know, ask people, ask techies in your life, ask people that can give you that little bit of an unbiased perspective into making the right context for you. Um, as always, uh, we'll link to things in the show notes. Shaban, if we can start with you uh, to share your social media handles and where people can reach you. So if you want to yell at me, you can reach me at Airspective on Twitter. That's A-I-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V. And I'd be happy to hear from you. Professor? Uh, I'm reachable on Twitter as Partha NS, P-A-R-T-H-A-N-S. I'm happy to give you guys advice on what you need to look for in a device. I mean, the market is constantly changing and you should always be mindful of what, what you're investing your money. Cool. Um, I'm available on Twitter at Chiragendi. C-H-I-R-A-G-N-D. I can almost get my spellings right today. As we've already mentioned, you know, TechTree is on Twitter at TechTree, which is at T-3-C-H-T-R-E. You can shoot your questions to us and we'll try and feature them in the Q&A. That's it from us uh, for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. As far as customers, customers I... Oh, let's try that again. The, I use it because it's customers I... Fucking hell, this word is killing me. It's killing me customizable yeah, what's up with you today <laughs> but but thank you for giving me the episode title yeah you're welcome chirag i always <laughs> i always try and help out you have by the way i have to say you have a record that i think every episode to date it has been your phrase that has made it to the to the title fantastic happy to be of service